Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. i talk to you for a few moments. I know we've been in this revival series. Has this been an amazing month? How many of you, January has just been off the charts? Yeah, I, I can sense God bringing us, speaking of family, I can sense God bringing our spiritual family to another level. You know, we wanted to, to take a moment on a Sunday to officially recognize the birthday of the church. You know, this month we are entering our 30th year as a spiritual family, serving our community and touching the nations of the world. Can I have a good amen? You know, 30 is an important age. 30. Some of you passed 30 a while ago. How many remember your 30th? How many of you are hoping you make it to 30? You know, biblically, when you, when you look at numbers, I know some of you study numbers and numerology and, and the, the, the significance of different numbers. 30 is an important number in the Bible. Joseph, when he became prime minister of Egypt, was 30 years of age. David, when he assumed leadership and became the king of Israel, he was king at 30. Three decades into his life, he stepped into that platform. How old was Jesus when he launched his earthly ministry? He was 30 years of age. You see, I believe that 30 represents new levels of leadership and influence. And I'm speaking this over us as a church. God is bringing HPC into new levels of leadership and influence. Can you say amen? amen. Healing Place has been, the, the journey has been a miracle in the making. Rachel and I say this all the time. We feel like we're living in the middle of a miracle. I know some people feel like the day of miracles is over. I feel sorry for people like that. You know, if, if, so, if, if, if the day of miracles is done, somebody forgot to tell Jesus. How many know Jesus is alive? And wherever he is, supernatural things happen. You know, one of my overseers, Pastor Larry Stockstill, some of you, you know Brother Larry and, and received from him. He's been with us many times. He, he spoke this to us several years ago, and I, I hadn't forgot about it. I thought this would be a great framework to help us celebrate our 30 years today. He said there are three stages in life. The first part of your life, you learn it. The second part of your life, you earn it. Then the last part of your life, you return it. Come on, somebody say learn, say earn, say return. If I'm looking at the three decades, and I want to kind of use that as the framework to tell the story of where we came from, decade number one is where we were learning it. Our first 10 years as a church, back in 1993, let me ask you out of curiosity, how many of you were a part of the church in that first decade from 1993 to 2003? How many of you first decades? Okay, we got a few OGs in the house. You're still with us, praise God. That is a miracle in and of itself. From 93 to 03, we were trying to figure out who we were as a church. And, you know, at that time, there were so many great churches in Baton Rouge, and there still are. 
Churches are known for different things. Some churches are, you know, they have great preaching, great teaching. Some, some churches are known for their music ministry. Some churches do amazing small groups or leadership development, or maybe they, they're known for missions. When we were first birthed, and our founding pastors, Dino and Delenn, and I talked to Pastor Dino this week, and we've been texting back and forth. He sends his love. I'm telling you, God put a seed of a dream in Dino and Delenn's heart. And that seed was planted in good ground. 30 years later, we are enjoying the fruit of all the sacrifices that our founding pastors made. And I can remember that first decade trying to discover who are we, what will we contribute to our community. I was in college at the time playing basketball, but feeling God doing some things in my heart. So I called the only pastor that I trusted. That was my youth pastor. Pastor Dino Rizzo. I said, Dino, look, I, I'm here at school. I'm studying to, to, to go into computer science. I'm playing ball, but I don't feel my heart in any of those things. I feel God leading me to ministry. What should I do? Do I go to Bible college? Where, where do I go? What's my next step? How many of you know we need a next step? Got to have somebody speaking into our lives. He said, well, we're starting a church in South Baton Rouge, a healing place for a hurting world. When, you, when, you, when you're in town next time, uh, come to my house. I said, listen, we don't have practice this weekend. I'll be in town this weekend. He says, Saturday morning, meet me at my house at 8 a.m. I thought, great. This is my big moment. I told Pastor Dino I was called to ministry, and he needs me. I never forget, early, I was there at 7.30. He told me to be at his house at 8. I was there at 7.30, and I knocked on that door. I was so excited. I'm thinking, man, he, he, he wants me to preach this Sunday. That's what he wants me to do. Right? I mean, man, who wouldn't want the skill set that I have? I, he knows I'm going to be a tremendous asset to this church. Maybe he wants me to help him with a Sunday school class. or maybe I, I, Surely I've got a lot of value to add. Knocked on his door. I kept knocking, kept knocking, kept knocking. Finally, he answers the door. I think I woke him up, all right? He had, you know, hair everywhere. He was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's my, there's my mower. There's my weed eater. There's the gas can. When you're done cutting the grass, come let me know. And he shut the door and went back in. I was like, wait a second. I'm called to ministry? And you know what I did my first job at the church? Landscaping. (laughs) They quickly fired me from that. Come on, somebody. (laughs) But you know, Pastor Dino was trying to teach me something. It's not what what I can bring to the church. I thought I was going to be a great gift to the church. How many of you know you always receive more than you ever give? See, God had something to teach me. I was learning that ministry is not about me. In fact, if there's one set of scriptures that I think sums up our church the best, it's found in John chapter 13. John 13, the Bible says in verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over. Everybody say authority over. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. And that he had to come from God and would return to God. So what did Jesus do with all of that authority over? Bible says he got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them 
with the towel he had around him. You see, at Healing Place, we've never been interested in titles. We're always about the towel. You see, I knocked on Dino's door that day hoping that I would get a title. What I got was a lawnmower and a weed eater. Come on, somebody. You see, it's not about your position. We say this all the time. If you're too big to set up the stage, then you're too small to stand on the stage. Come on, talk to me. See, we were learning as a as a church, it wasn't about how talented we were. It's not about showing off our skill set, but it's about making Jesus famous through acts of kindness and service. You see, in John chapter 13, this was a significant moment. Jewish custom was anytime you had honored guests at your house, the hired servant would wash the feet of all the attendants. Well, at this meal, somebody forgot to book the servant. And nobody volunteered for the job except for Jesus. And Jesus used his authority over to serve those under. In the early days of the church, we, we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of skill. Didn't have a lot of ability. But we knew that we could serve our way into the heart of this city. I believe serving is what tears down walls. The number one way to unlock somebody's heart to receive the gospel is just through serving. We had to learn the first decade who we were. It's about serving our city. The walls coming down. You know, every month we would get a truckload of, of supplies. Every month, and we never knew what was on the back of the truck. But we got 18 wheelers full of stuff, like some surplus stuff from, you know, retailers and grocery stores like Walmart. And, you know, if they, if they had some kind of ordering error, they would stuff this truck and just send it out. And every month we got what was ever on the truck and we just gave it away. Do you know we gave out rat bait the first maybe two years of the church? Somebody had some extra rat poison two or three pallets of it, dropped it off at the church. We said, well, what are we going to do with this? How about we give it away? Can you imagine people that you don't even know knocking on your door saying, hey, we're from the church down the road. Here's some rat bait. God bless you. That's what we did. We, we're just going to serve. We had truckloads of pineapples. We had a huge, I mean, I remember loading my car full of pineapples. I was going to blitz all of Baton Rouge with the spirit of the pineapple. <laughs> pineapple's going to change your life in Jesus' name. One time we got a truckload of stuff. It was all boxed up. We were unpacking it. and We were down in the annex, that building on the front of our property. It was half the size that it is now. That box fell open. Again, we didn't know what was on the truck. We were just going to give it away. The box fell open, and out of that box was lingerie. We took that downtown Baton Rouge and passed out every piece of lingerie. That was the most popular outreach we had ever done as a church. People say, man, I love that church. That's the place where I want to worship. Come on, somebody. Somebody say, learn it. You know, learning is a lifelong process. Can I have a good amen? You never stop learning. Come on, talk to me. You see, you come to church today, and it's not about, hey, impress me with the word. It's how can I lean in so I can grow? Because when you stop learning, you stop growing. 
Sometimes it's not hearing something new, but it's being reminded of what you already know, but you're not necessarily walking in. Come on, talk to me. You see, every opportunity for us as a church is to learn. Over the last three decades, we've learned some things. How many of you know sometimes you learn from the mistakes that you make? How many has made a whole lot of mistakes? Uh, listen, don't beat yourself up for making mistakes. You need your mistakes. That's how you learn and you grow. In fact, you learn from your mistakes, but it's actually better to learn from somebody else's mistakes. So you don't have to make them yourself. Can I have a good amen? That first 10 years, I guess the phrase that probably sums up our church the best is healing place for a hurting world. First decade was us discovering, and I see Brother Wayne here. You know, I think it was Miss D that, that had come up with that phrase, to be a healing place for a hurting world. How many know there's a lot of hurt in this world? And it's amazing what kindness and serving someone, whether it's a pineapple or a lingerie <laughs> or some rat bait in Jesus' name. Man, if you give what you have, it's what I, was I told this to Pastor David earlier, generosity and serving, it makes an invisible God visible. See, we sing and worship a God that we can't see, but through kindness and through serving, all of a sudden now, that invisible God can be seen by a world that desperately needs him. First decade, number one, to learn it. Second decade, number two, to earn it. Second decade, from 93, let's see, 93 to, 20, to 2003, that was our first decade. How many of you came during the second decade, from 2003 to 2013? Any second decades? Okay, all right, that's a good number of you as well. The second decade, well, we were going from age 10 to age 20. That's the teenage years. Somebody say, sweet Jesus. Any teenagers in the house? How many of you have some teenagers at your house? Don't you marvel at a teenager? First of all, their appetite. I got one at my house. He's eating me out of house and home. Can I have a good amen? Grocery bill is already high, but with a teenager, you can triple it. Come on, talk to me. Teen, and, and I'm amazed at how fast they grow. You can't keep them in shoes. You know, you buy a set of clothes for them, and two months later, man, it doesn't fit. That kind of describes our second decade as a church. We were growing in every environment. We began to outgrow the spaces and the places that, that God had put us in. We started with 12 people back in 1993, but in that second decade, we began to explode, and we planted seven campuses in 10 years. Seven campuses in 10 years. If we learned it in the first decade, we had to earn it in the second decade. It takes a lot of work. And here's one of my favorite things about you. Here's what I love about your spirit. Not only are you generous, but you roll up your sleeves, and you're not afraid to jump in and help somebody. You know, planting campuses is hard work. Taking the influence and, and, and the impact that God has given you and stretching that into new places, it takes faith. It takes a whole lot of prayer, but it takes something called sweat equity. Can I have a good Amen. Mm -mm. Proverbs 21.5, the Bible says this, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts 
lead to poverty. You know, one of the reasons why God has prospered this house is because of your willingness to work. You see, in that second decade, how many of you remember a little storm that hit New Orleans and South Louisiana called Katrina? Oh, yes. That was a game changer. I mean, for months and months, you worked so hard preparing meals, providing shelter, personal hygiene items. I mean, the landscape of Baton Rouge was changing. All of South Louisiana changed during Hurricane Katrina. And you know, sometimes it takes a crisis to get somebody's attention. And God will use catastrophe and crisis and struggle, but the church has got to lean into those moments. We can't run from it. We got to lean into it. In fact, we've been talking about revival. You know, I think one of the best ways to start revival in your community is to find the biggest need you can and to meet it. What's the biggest need of our city? Church, step up. How can we address this? What can we do to help? Where can we add value? And you've always been willing to help. I love what Tommy Nelson says. He says, don't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole in the ground. Mm, come on, hum at me today. And you, you can prophesy over that shovel. You can declare the word of God over that shovel. You can speak to the north, the south, the east, and the west. You can bind all the demons connected to that shovel. But until you put your hand to that shovel and get to work, how many know that a hole is not just going to appear? You do that so well as a church. You see a need, you jump in to meet it. I'm so glad that we're a church that's committed to go. It's the go of the gospel. It, it, that second decade was all about activity. I thought about this this week. Consider this. You know, we, we talk about being at the feet of Jesus. And, and I love being at the feet of Jesus. But I'm discovering something about the feet of Jesus. If we're going to position ourselves to be at his feet, we better lace up our shoes and get, bed, get ready to roll. Because Jesus was very active. He didn't sit still. Can I have a good amen? He went from village to village, from house to house, from, from one environment to the next. And so if we're going to stay at his feet, we got to be ready to move. And you're a church that does that so well. Jesus is on the move. And man, you're just pedaling as fast as you can to keep up with him. Healing Place has never been built on the talents of a few people but it's been built on the sacrifices of many. And you've been willing to make sacrifices. There, there are no celebrities or personalities here. It's ordinary people like us committed to serve an extraordinary God like him, watching him do amazing things around us. You know, the phrase that sums up that second decade is simply this, Jesus is here and anything can happen. Come on, somebody say, Jesus is here. Say, anything can happen. And in the third decade, somebody say, learn it. Say, earn it. Say, return it. How many of you, you've started coming within the last 10 years from 2013 to 2023? The third decade. Okay, that's a large majority of us. The third decade, I, I was reading this scripture. I felt like this probably, probably summed up best what the last 10 years have been about. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3. 
Nehemiah says these words, so I sent messengers to them. He, he had some enemies, some distractions, some people trying to, to divert his attention. And this is what he says to him. I'm doing a great work, so I cannot come down. Why should the work stop? Why, why, why should it cease while I leave it and go down to meet with you? What was Nehemiah saying? He's saying, I got to stay on the wall. I got to keep building the wall. You know, the first decade, we were learning and discovering the power of serve. The second decade, it was about staying active and on the go. Man, wherever Jesus is, that's where we want to be. What's the third decade been about? We got to stay focused on what God has called us to do. The flood of 2016, many of you were affected by that. Violence that erupted in our communities. You, you, you remember those moments. Oh, remember a couple years ago, a thing called COVID? Yeah. I mean, it, it marked us forever. We had to pivot. We had to, okay, Lord, what is it that you're saying? How can we still be a healing place for a hurting world that's constantly changing and moving? I remember being in a prayer gathering back in September of 2014. In fact, it was at Bethany South Campus, and there were 300 pastors from all over the state of Louisiana. And I remember being there with these, and this was at a time in my life where, man, things had been turned upside down. Man, there, there were some days, how many of you, some days, you just, just to get to work in one piece is success. Some moments, some seasons are extremely challenging, and this was one of those for me personally. And so I was at this prayer gathering with, with 300 pastors from all across our state, and one of the guys that was facilitating, he came to me and said, Mike, the, 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 the prophet is here. And he has a word for you. I'm like, who's the prophet? Well, the, the, this, the, the guy that's speaking, they call him the prophet. He wanted to, he's got a word for you and just wanted permission to be able to pray over you. And I'm like, man, I'll take all the prayer I can get. Yes, indeed. And so after that prayer gathering, we met behind stage. And I've never seen this guy. If he were to walk in this room today, I couldn't recognize. I couldn't tell you what he looks like. Never seen him before. Hadn't seen him since. Don't even know his name. But he came and he said, I feel like the Lord has a word for you. And I got it taped on my cell phone because the, uh, the mutual friend said, hey, you might want to record this. So he took my phone, pressed record. I just sat down at a table. That guy stretched his hands toward me, and he began to speak some things over me. And I'm telling you, how many's ever had a word from the Lord? And you know it was from God because it was so detailed. I mean, there were things that he was saying that he could only know by the Holy Spirit. Nobody knew these things about me or this season in my life, but here's what he did. At a moment, he, he, he took off his jacket. He had this navy blazer, and he draped it over my shoulders, and this is what he said. He said, young man, I know nothing about you. I know nothing about your skill set, your gift mix, but I want you to know that a mantle of evangelism is going to rest on Healing Place Church, and he said this, you will see more souls saved than in the entire two decades, the entire history of the church. He said, I'm going to shake through you. He says, words of knowledge are going to spark forth out of your message and out of your ministry. And this is what he said. He said, I'm going to shake through the African-American community like a fire. And he says, I'm going to draw and quicken the, the immigrants from Latin America. This church is going to be a melting pot of diversity. And this is back in 2014, okay? Now, 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 nine years later, is the word coming to pass? 
do, do, do you see the spirit of the kingdom reaching all different kinds of people and drawing us together? Why? Because if you lift up the name of Jesus, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men, all women, all kinds of people to me. You know, as long as we're a church that's committed to lifting up Christ. And I mean, you talk about weeping. He broke me down. I felt from that day to this a mantle that's been upon this house. You say a mantle for what? To win the lost. To win the lost. You see, listen, some of you are here today because of that first decade somebody served you. Somebody gave you a bottle of water. A complete stranger came up to you and gave you a pineapple. What is this? A church? To give stuff away? Are you kidding me? But you're here because somebody served. Some of you are here today because, man, that whole thing about work, maybe, maybe your house was affected by the flood in 2016. And complete strangers came to you and said, hey, how can we help? We'll put a tarp over your, your roof. You know, we'll clean out all the muck and the mud and the debris. Somebody was willing to work. The gospel came to you. You're sitting in that chair today because somebody from the first decade or the second decade reached out to you with the love of Jesus Christ. So what is our responsibility in this third decade? It's to continue. We got to stay on the wall. We, you know what? Here's what I felt so strongly in my heart. We've got to stay committed to this book right here. We've got to stay solid with the scriptures because there's a lot of crazy stuff that's happening right now. And I'm not just talking about the world. I'm talking about it's bleeding into our churches. When we get away from this book, we get off into confusion and craziness. Man, it's my job and it's your job to stay on the wall when it comes to being solid in the scriptures. Man, when it comes to preaching the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed on Calvary, the only way to get to God is through Jesus. If we want to make it to heaven, we got to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Come on, somebody. We got to stay true, stay on the wall of the power of the Holy Spirit being released in human hearts and human lives. There are gifts and spirits. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to the body of Christ. We got to stay solid with this. Why? Because there's another decade in front of us. You receive that today. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.